today, Janet Tomorrow, Janet Forever, the podcast where two cousins discuss all things Janet Jackson. Today, we're going to discuss Janet Jackson's I Get Lonely, and we'll be joined by Aaron, who goes by the Twitter handle at HeSnob26. My name is Courtney, and I'm here with my cousin. Cousin Cam. Hey, Cam. It's been a minute. It's been a long minute. (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. We have been ensnared in such delightful conversations with guests that we really haven't had a chance to chat. Just be interviewing and interviewing and working. And I believe it's paying off because the last episode is getting such a great response. Yeah, our conversation with Wayne Scott Lucas seems to have resonated with the Jam fam. And honestly, I just had such a good time with him. I could talk to him forever. He's one of those guys where you need a big old glass of wine and just let him flow. Seriously. (laughs) Yeah, he has so many. Many good stories, so many great details are just about working behind the scenes with Janet. I just love how passionate he is about not only the work that he did with her, but about her craft. Because he was working with her behind the scenes and he got to see things that we as fans don't see. And so he was able to give us so much insight about how much Janet cares about her fans, her music, and the things that she put out. So I just love him just giving us that inside information, you know? (laughs) Yeah. And I appreciate it too. One, you know, this show is for fans, right? So for us, it was almost as important or maybe more important that he's a fan of hers as much as he is a collaborator with her, Mm -hmm. that he's a real fan of Janet and he wants to see her win because everybody you work with don't necessarily want to see you win. Mm -hmm. And so that was important to me, you know, when we talked about having him speak with us and uh, man, it was even better than I thought it would be just to know for me personally, to know that at that time she was surrounded by folks who just genuinely cared for her, not -hmm. just for her as like their meal ticket, Mm-hmm. But for her as a human and, and, mm-hmm. and to care for her as a whole person. And I was just excited to hear that. He told us so much great stuff. Like I enjoyed the SNL story. I enjoyed mm-hmm. him talking about Dorothy Dandridge and Xanadu. Mm-hmm. heavens. Almost <laughs> took me out. Yes, the heavens, the heavens. <laughs> so if you have not heard that episode, I would encourage you to go and listen to episode 23 with Wayne Scott Lucas. There were so many great tidbits. I think folks have been scavenger hunting, trying to read the buttons on her offer you jacket, (laughs) which was a really unfair task, Wayne, because there was no HD then. So like we are struggling to try to see what those teeny tiny buttons say. (laughs) Yes. Through the whole interview, he was just so positive. Mm -hmm. Even when he talked about himself and he, you know, he didn't go into detail, but just saying that, you know, the ups and downs of the business, he still kept it so positive. He actually motivated me by the end of the conversation (laughs) because to me, he made it seem like when you're doing something that you love and you and you're passionate about it and, you know, you it's just in you that you want not only to bring your best work for who you're working for, but you want to do it and live your best. So it was just so much positive energy that flows out of him. I was just like overwhelmed with like, you know what? I could do some stuff right now because Wayne said go for it. Right. Wayne (laughs) is a life coach. If you're not following Wayne Scott Lucas on um, social media, you're really doing yourself a disservice. So go ahead and uh, follow him if you will. Um, His his entire Instagram and all of that is basically just what you got on this show. Like he is constantly positive, constantly uplifting, and he's very open and honest. If you're not following Wayne, you should do that. Yeah. (laughs) Let's shift gears. Did you get a chance to check out Janet and her interview with Tom Joyner on the Fabulous Cruise? (laughs) I did. I did. So the interview that took place after her performance on Mm -hmm. the Tom Joyner Cruise, which is I'm going to use in quotes because it was like on the Tom Joyner Cruise in the port (laughs) at the dock. (laughs) At the dock. Somebody didn't think that all the way through, but hey, that's for another another episode. Yeah, a, I think we'll have a deeper discussion about that a little bit later. Yeah, one of the funny things that Janet said was like, she was like, "Excuse, you have to excuse me, I still got a little jet lag. Like, she was like, I pretty much, she got off a plane and they just start rehearsing and trying to get everything together. So Janet was like, you know what, I'm a little sleepy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm a little tired. Mm-hmm. And I got a Vegas show to plan for. Yeah, she was, I guess she said she had been off the plane for like, I mean, 
one day. So they had mm-hmm. come in from London. They had been there one day and then she did the performance. And so I was like, wow, that's uh, quite the day for you there. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, she was quite comical. I Now, I will say I was expecting a little bit more because Tom Jordan had been teasing this interview as like a two-parter and the best interview he'd done with Janet in a long time. And I'm guessing mm-hmm. I'm like, well, I guess since you haven't talked to her in 15 years, then probably, yes, this was the best interview you did in a long time. <laughs> Uh, but I did think that it was fun. Like she sounded relaxed and like, you know, she was just having a good time. I did enjoy that interview, even if it was very short. Do you know what stood out to me? <laughs> I think Janet wasn't wasn't ready for a cruise performance. She couldn't quite get a good feel for the crowd. Mm-mm. She was like, do y'all have anchors on your feet? Yeah. And then she was like, well, it could be a little tipsy. She, and it took me out. Tight- or maybe it was a tight space but I and I think it was I think it was all of the above like it was a yeah. very tight space it was very tight space from what I understand the people had like just got on the boat like yes. just got on the boat so they probably wanted to sit down but you're not gonna mm-hmm. sit down because you're trying to watch Janet Jackson's mm-hmm. and I thought you know they're not a typical Janet crowd that was on this cruise would not necessarily yeah. be the crew that would go to like a concert in Cincinnati um, right but I still thought that, you know, it was packed. People were like shoulder to shoulder to watch her. And maybe they didn't know all the cues, right? Because like we know what to do during Together Again and all of these other things. Maybe they didn't know all the cues. But I think that <laughs> just them being there and just being like crammed in that space um, said that they really wanted to see her and that they were excited to see her. So, yeah, I enjoyed it. My favorite part of the interview was, um, you know, obviously she talked about Issa and his musical affinity um, talking about getting him a, a violin and, and, and how he has such an ear um, for music yep. and for pitch. But my favorite part, I feel like I really need a video of the interview <laughs> because it's very much sounded like when she was talking about Issa, I'm pretty sure she pulled out pictures and passed them around. Yes. Like, it sounded very much like she went into full mind mode and was like, oh, wait, wait, let me show you. Um, so I think if we ever get pictures of it, we're going to see her like passing her phone around to show the pictures of Issa. Yeah, playing the violin. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And of course, my favorite Jackson, hint, hint, what also name came up, and that's Mr. Big Brother Randy. He's actually with her and making sure Janet is doing okay. And she mentioned that, you know, he has her back. So, yeah, I'm going to lay off Randy for just a second. I love Randy and I want you to because if you ruin this for me, like Randy is my dream chat. Really? Like if we ever get. Oh, yes. I feel like Randy is like the one in the family like that everyone kind of calls. Like I feel like he is the one who's going to show up no matter what. Like he showed up for Michael. He showed up for Latoya. He constantly shows up for Janet. And I also feel like he's the one who is overlooked behind the scenes. Because, you know, he's partnered. He and Janet are partnered together in her Rhythm Nation label. Okay. So he, he's doing a little more than we probably think. But also I just think like the family stories he must have and just that he's doing all these things kind of in the shadows. Mm-hmm. I just, yeah. Like if we ever got the chance to talk to Randy, woo, child. Um, yes. <laughs> we, yes. I yes, need yes. to talk to Jermaine. <laughs> That's yes, who yes. I need to talk to. <laughs> Well, I'm going to say you should read Jermaine's book. It was really quite good. Words. No, that's a terrible song. I was going to say words. No, that's not what it's called. What is it called? I don't know. Probably don't take it personal. No, it's something like it with the mirror or something. I don't know. Anyways, whatever Jermaine's book is, the one that he wrote about about Michael is so good. It's so good. So you should read that. Um, Yeah. But the other thing about Randy is I'm so glad that he's there that she does have someone around her like in her circle constantly that who can be close to her and she can trust fully because I'm sure it's tough to Mm -hmm. always be um unsure of if you can trust somebody's motives or intentions or that so I'm sure it's like just to have this like anchor this this pillar that you know you can trust no matter what so yeah man we need to get i don't know somebody knows randy jackson but yeah that we we need to talk to him but she also talked about vegas right she talked about um all new choreo yes for vegas and uh that they're already rehearsing you know most of the dancers are doing eight hours she said she's doing a, a, a little less but that they're getting ready they're she said they're in crunch time they're in full on uh crunch time mode for the shows beginning um may 17th 
Mm-hmm. And uh, she also mentioned that the only time they're taking off is for Easter. So only for <laughs> only for Jesus are they going to take right. a day off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they serious about it. You know, the, an email came out about this changing for the staging mm, for the production. So we know that things are still evolving um, mm-hmm. as the show was starting to come together. Yeah. And I guess that's to be expected because it's a show that we've never pretty much haven't seen before. And I guess, you know, while you're creating and getting everything together, you realize, oh, we need a little more space. So to prevent Janet from falling off a stage, mm-hmm. I said, give us some space. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I, it's interesting, though, because they took the um, I don't know what you call it, the insert or the peninsula. They took the little catwalk part out that kind of juts into the audience. Mm hmm. And I know that some fans were disappointed because they had purposely selected their seat so that they could be next to that. Um, and now that that's going away, they're kind of just, um, I guess, out of luck. I personally was <laughs> a little upset. And I always think, like, I never, like, I have to assume good intentions. Like, whatever the reason is that she made this production change, there is a good reason. So it's not like, mm-hmm. um, you know, she wasn't thinking that the fans would enjoy it or whatever, whatever. I'm sure that whatever changes she made was with the intentions of giving the very best show that she could possibly give. So my gripe has nothing to do with that. My gripe is because they took that out, it did open more seats in that area. And we couldn't get a seat in that area at the time we purchased. And now they're available. <laughs> so it's like, wow. I didn't think about that. Yes. Yeah. So better seats are available that we could have gotten. Um, but we've already purchased. So that's that. But nonetheless, you know, we're going to we're going to go. We're going to have a good time. And I'm sure it's going to be awesome. So, yeah, whatever changes they're working on, whatever they got up their sleeve, I'm excited about it. And I wonder, too. You know, people have started talking about would this show tour. I wonder if this show will be what she does at the Montreal Jazz Fest. Or will it go revert back to State of the World too? I hope she reverts back to State of the World tour just because I feel like Vegas should be something that you should have to pay for. Well, they're going to pay for it. They're paying to go to the Jazz Fest. <laughs> I want to be able to say, oh, that's the show you saw? Well, when I was in Vegas, I saw this show with Janet. Oh, so you just want to be elitist. I got it. Okay, I, yeah. hear, you. I yeah. hear you. Yeah. Yeah. I don't care. I just want everybody to have a good time. But I am a little upset about not being able to sit front and center. But I just want everybody to have a good time. <laughs> and I'm not worried about... <laughs> limiting access to people because I just want them to get the best show. I mean, I want everybody to experience Janet Jackson at her peak. So if this new show is better than State of the World 2, which was awesome and we know it, if it's better, then I want her to be able to take it around the world and like delight and dazzle people, you know, for months and months and months. So we'll see. Uh, I, hey, either way, mm-hmm. if they get State of the World 2, or if they get be all metamorphosis, right. <laughs> right, they're going to get a good show. Better buy a ticket to Vegas. <laughs> fight you, fight you. You can't fight me up your cousin. <laughs> <laughs> we got look, we gotta do family unions together. Yes. <laughs> can't, can't get rid of me. <laughs> so you say. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay. <laughs> Listen, I've been stuck with you this long. I'm going to carry you a little bit longer. We... All your life. <laughs> all right all right so we got a guest for this show yes we're here joined by snobby a member of the jam fam who goes by the twitter handle at he snob 26 welcome thank you so much for uh taking the time to join us so um first tell us about you sir whatever you want to tell us where you live where you work what you do for fun like whatever you want to tell us i live in washington dc born and raised military brat so i pretty much live almost all over the world Mm. for fun um when miss jackson is not getting on my nerves i love to (laughs) I'm, I'm i'm a family person like i love to cook and hang out with my family and my friends and my nieces and nephews, I say my kids, my nieces and nephews. But yeah, just I'm just a, a fun, loving type, down to earth type person. So anything where I can just relax and let my head down and have a good time. And so, what's your specialty? So when you when somebody's coming over and you're gonna make them that dish that you know is gonna set their taste buds on fire, what is that? It depends on who my dinner guest is. Um, but I can do either a really really mean dessert, 
or I can do a mean lasagna. I can run these cheese, fry some shit. Like, I can go real down country, or I can go <laughs> uppity snobby. It just depends on who the who I may need to get a recipe, because I can't cook lasagna. Oh, <laughs> I know. <laughs> all right, all right, all Maybe right. I need some patience. So, when did you fall in love with Janet Jackson? It was, it was during the Janet era. And it's it's funny because I always tell people laugh when I tell them this story, but um it was it well as you all know, ninety that ninety-three. I it was funny because I knew of her, had not seen her or anything. In ninety-three, how did you escape that? I, I don't know. I just I wasn't into a lot. And then growing up in the church, my grandmother wasn't super strict because I was always with her. And like she wasn't like one of those naive type church mothers. But when it came to music, I've always been into music and just a whole different genres and everything else. So one particular genre didn't really, you know, catch me on anything. So I remember hearing That's the Way Love Goes. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I was in the fifth grade and I heard That's the Way Love Goes. And I was like, wow, this is nice. (laughs) And my dad was like, what? I'm like, this is really nice. He was like, okay, kiddo, whatever. So I saw the video. About two weeks later, I saw the video. My sisters and them, they used to always watch videos or whatever after school. You know, they trying to learn the dances and blah, blah, blah. Keep going. (laughs) And I walked downstairs in the basement and I saw this peanut butter goddess. (laughs) I'm sorry, did you say peanut butter goddess? (laughs) Because of her skin tone, she's glowing. Mm. And then she smiled. It was like, oh my God. And it was the particular shot of her leaning up against the wall, grooving. And when she turned slightly to the left, I think it was, and she smiled. It it felt like she was looking at me, smiling. And I was like, who is this? Who who is she? And my sister, and she was like, "Uh, really? She was like, that's Janet Jackson. I'm like, who the hell is Janet Jackson? She was like, dummy. That's Michael Jackson's old sister. What she like? She started going off. You were about to get disowned. <laughs> they was great whole time me in that basement, honey. I, I said, okay, okay, I need, I need, I need to learn this shit. I need to find out who she is, what she got going on, because it's hell for hair. <laughs> and then after that, like clockwork, it came out. So yeah, that's the one-two punch right yeah. there. Can you imagine yeah. if that's the first time you saw Janet Jackson and you saw That's the Way Love Goes and then right behind it, if? I can't even imagine that life. Like, <laughs> and it was like, wait a minute. <laughs> when the video came on, you hit the got your guitar in the beginning, rearing up. And then it's like, okay, wait a minute. What, what is this? What, what, what is this? And then you see Tina and them getting up with the glow when they bending in the silhouette. I'm like, oh, is that what we're doing? And my sisters and them, you know, they was like laughing. They yucking it up. They all into it. And the music started and Tina and them started dancing. <laughs> Baby, and them doors open. And that happened started coming down them goddamn steps. I said, now, okay, wait a minute. What, wait, wait a minute, white Jesus. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. It was like the Phoenix. <laughs> Just evolved from these big fiery flames and smokes and stuff. And she came down these steps and she walked through them girls and threw them arms up on them shoulders. I said, oh, bitch, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. And it was like after that, it was a, it was a wrap. So funny. Like, first, it, of all, it was a wrap. first of all, I just have to say that I think I enjoyed your <laughs> description of the video more than I've ever enjoyed the video. <laughs> and I really enjoyed the video. <laughs> And I can literally sit here and see it all over again without even watching the video. I mean, you described it frame by frame. but <laughs> <laughs> And we still only like 25 seconds in. <laughs> That's the way it plays out for me in my mind over and over and over again. So with me saying that and then the choreography alone, and it's like, oh, Wow, like she hit me. What you talking about? Video <laughs> left me wanting more. Yes. And then don't even get me started on the breakdown piece. Maybe when these asses went sliding across the floor, they all into each other. I'm like, what? what? I love it. So by the time the video went off, I'm like foaming at the mouth, shaking in the corner, and I was like, yeah, she's mine. She she is all mine. Listen, <laughs> if I think has snatched a lot of people, Cam, this is your number one, right? Yeah. I, mm-hmm. I'm not gonna go that far because it's. <laughs> I love it. I'm not going to go that far. But I will say, when I was in New York for the Rock Hall induction, there was like a pre-party. And If came on in the room. 
knew and executed the routine flawlessly. I was like, what y'all been doing? <laughs> like, you practice. You practice it. <laughs> Some secret flash mob meetings I don't know about. What are y'all doing? <laughs> and then on top of that, and I think what stuck out to me more besides just her and choreography, back then, nobody had touch screens or knew mm-hmm. what a touch screen video mm-hmm. was. This is 93. We're in 2019 just now getting She was 10 years ahead. Exactly. A minimum. Yes. Yes. Exactly. And it's like, wait a minute. This is 93. They having webcam sex. They got touch screens. <laughs> and then you cut to 98, 99. We were dial up just now starting webcam sex <laughs> chat rooms. Mm-hmm. Yes. I have a theory. Like everything that happens in a Janet Jackson video eventually happens in real life. Because I had the same feeling. It's on its way. When I yeah. watched Doesn't Really Matter, I was like, ooh, okay. <laughs> don't don't get me started on that, yeah. baby. That's my that's my number two video. Don't get me started on yeah. that. As you know, I'm a huge fan of yours on Twitter. Oh, thank you. Just a couple <laughs> days ago on Twitter, you were reminiscing about meeting Janet during the Janet era. So now I'm really oh, yeah. like I need information. Because I feel yeah. like you were negative three years old during the Janet era. So <laughs> I need to understand, like, how did that happen? Where did it happen? What was it like? I need the details. Um, well, what happened, my aunt, um, back then, my older aunt, she used to work for, she was the PR rep for BET. Okay. Which was funny because once she figured out that Janet was now, quote unquote, my chick. Mm-hmm. Once I seen that's where love goes, and if if catapulted me like into like a whole nother stratosphere, so I need to go back and figure out who this chick is. Did all my research and my homework, <laughs> and that's when you know the whole rhythmation thing came into play. And I was like, oh, oh, like, oh, she been fly, exactly. And then after that, it was everything is Janet, Janet this, Janet that. Like I was driving my family ass crazy, <laughs> and then my dad was like, he told my sister Rob, he's like, I'm gonna kill you because you know you didn't introduce this food to her, and I, we, we, yeah. <laughs> Like, he can't shake it. We can't shake him. Like, it's you driving us crazy. <laughs> so, long story short. And then, um, so my, she was coming to D.C. And my aunt called and she said, Aaron. And I just, like, stopped breathing because I knew what she was getting ready to say. And she was like, you want to go, right? And I was like, ah! <laughs> She was like, oh, you want to ask me what? And I'm steady screaming. I don't drop the phone, ran in the other room. But I finally got together, came back to the phone. And I'm like. Yeah, I want to go. <laughs> <laughs> she was like, she was hollering, like, cracking up. She's like, okay. We was third row in the center on the left side. And my other aunt went with me. So, we, you know, we go in and I'm all excited. I'm sitting down. The bands are playing or they warming up. Da, da, da. And then instantly I met um John, Lil John. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, I'm little fat kid, friendly as hell. And I'm like, hi, who are you? He's like, I'm John. I'm the man on the percussion. And I'm like, I don't know what that is, but okay, yeah. Oh, sir. <laughs> he chatted for like about a good two minutes. He was like, all right, little man, enjoy the show, blah, blah. So I cut to this half to the lights going black, and she did the whole. <laughs> and I'm like, when she appeared on that side of the stage in front of me, child blacked up. that close to me, and then my aunt like, she's like, fuck yeah. <laughs> Like, by the time the show was over, like, I'm out, completely out of my clothes because I'm sweating. And I had, like, on a sweater or something. So I came out of all of them clothes. I was pretty much standing in my clothes. And then so once the show was over, we, my mom was like, um, your auntie got another surprise for you. And I started hyperventilating. I was like, what? I'm like, you can't get any better than this. She was like, well, she got you backstage pass. And I'm like, ah! I would Oh, my God. <laughs> so, yeah, we go backstage. I finally got myself together. We go backstage. And, and actually, this is when Joey had just started working for her. Oh, this is what Joey still had hair, yes. Yeah, honey, Joey had a fresh Jerry Curl. I want you to not, do not tell that tale on Joey. He did not have a Jerry Curl in 93. I would not allow you to say that. Baby, Joey had that. Just let you. <laughs> so I'm standing in the floor, and then Tish, Sean, Nikki, and Tina came out. And they all came up and hugged me, and they was like, we seen you. We seen you. Did you enjoy the show? <laughs> so I'm walking down the hallway and I'm following them. And um, actually, it was uh, Tish that had me by the hand. And I'm like nervous. I'm shaking in my boots. So Tish <laughs> had my hand walking down this hallway. And I saw Renee first. And I started smiling. And he was like, hey, how you doing? Um, We heard you a part of the little meet and greet crew. And I'm just looking at him, just grinning. Like, I didn't even say anything. I'm just grinning. 
Did you know who he was at that time? Of course I did. He was like, oh, okay, Aaron, nice to meet you. <laughs> and he actually, like, he hugged me, and that's what kind of what snapped me out of it. Wow. He's like, okay, come on, she's around here somewhere. And we walking, and we walking, and we walking. And I heard that giggle, and baby, my mm-hmm. knees buckled. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He was like, hey, you all right? I am not. <laughs> He's like, no, sir. I'm like, not only do I hate her, but I smell her. So I know she's extremely close. Wait a minute. I need to know this. This is important. What does she smell like? At that time, she smelled like CK1, baby powder, and bubble gum. Oh, my God. That was like the stereotypical. Listen, exactly. everybody in elementary school, like when you first started wearing your cologne, and if you started in the 90s, that's what you wore. <laughs> it probably wasn't even her, but whoever, it could have been Renee or whoever she was hugging and talking to. Right, but that was the mixture in the hall because it was the 90s. <laughs> Man, CK1. <laughs> and my mom was like, that's a hell of a mix. I said, but it smelled good, though. <laughs> but Renee got me together. I walked around the corner. She was like, hi. And mentally, I am screaming in my head. She's like, and I'm like, no. She's like, did you say no? <laughs> you said no, thank you. I am so upset with you for your former self. I did. She had to walk to me, grab my hands, like, it's okay, come on. And then I'm like, no, she touching me. She touching me. No, she touching me. No, what is going on? All the is touching me. But we talked about it for like a good five minutes. I told her who I was. I told her, I, I knew of you. Didn't really know who you was. I, I said I was told you were Michael's baby sister. I'm not really that into him either. And she let out the loudest laugh. I said, but don't worry, because now you have me. And she laughed. She's like, I have you. I said, yes, you have me. I don't care about your brother. I'm like, you have me. And she laughed. And she was like, okay, thank you. And she said, I love you for that. And then she hugged me again. She um, she's like, you are just so cute with those chubby cheeks. And she pinched my cheek. I would have fainted. I want to know, <laughs> how big was your head when you went to school the next day? <laughs> Couldn't tell him nothing. I didn't even go to school the next day because I was completely out of it. And my dad was laughing <laughs> because he knew it was going to be a wash. When my aunt called and told him before we got home what had happened. He's like, I'm going to have to call in tomorrow. <laughs> or he knew I was like a man to coat. But the funny thing is, it never fails. The day after I've been either around her, near her, or with her, I don't remember until two days later. It's just the way it is. And it has happened that way since day one. Since I met Can I say this? You told that story so good that I felt like I was right there next to you going, go ahead. <laughs> Walk, walk towards her. Walk towards the light. My heart rings too. <laughs> I can smell the hallway. It's, but you know, that's one of those things like you will never forget. You will never forget. Now you mentioned that you met, you know, Nikki, Sean, Omar, Tina, and uh, Tish. Do you still keep in touch with them? Tish, I did on Facebook for a little while when I was on Facebook, and then I think like I left. And then she left and then she popped up on Instagram. So we started talking again. I would see Tina, at, well, back then, you know, of course, up until um, off of you on a regular basis. Um, Seanette was on a regular basis. Yeah, it was just, it depends on who she had around her. Because, I mean, like I, like I said before, it, it, I have to constantly remind people, like, it's, it's you are who you are because of you. That's fine. But you are now known because of her. So let's not get this twisted. I'm here for her, not for you. You may come along with the package that she the package that she bought or she decided to purchase, and that's all well and fine. But let's not get this twisted. I ain't here for you. I'm here for her. So you like those shift change when the dances change. So do my loyalties. <laughs> it is. It is. Got away from being so attached to the kids because it's like, well, they're changing, and it, it took me a really long time to get over because I was so mad at her. I'm like, how dare you get fit of Nikki and and going to and you gonna bring these other Trumps in. They don't know you. They don't know us. He said they don't know us. <laughs> like I was this when they left or rotated out or actually even grew up. You know, life goes on and they grew up. I had to learn myself to like, okay, Aaron, step back. They they have other lives. Let it go. They, they can't be attached to her forever. And I'm like, I don't know about all that, but whatever. But it was just it was hard for me because I grew up with them. So, you know, like I say, with Tina and that whole Janet era crew, the OGs, I grew up with them. So as she went along and the albums went along and the tours went along, my fat ass went along behind them. So, so. you like, y'all go on, I'll be here. And then get a little scoop bowhead ass came along and I was like, okay, I like you a little bit. I, I'm going to circle back. You mentioned Renee. 
But I have noticed, like online, you do ride hard for Renee. And I've seen you say things like, you know, he did things for Janet fans that really haven't been done since he was around. So I want you to say more about that. I want you to say a little bit more about like your affinity for him and then like the types of things that used to happen that don't happen. People kind of get taken back by me because not only do I rock for her, but I'm a realist. So if I'm your friend, I should be able to tell you if you're wrong or not. If I can't tell you that, we're not friends. Exactly. You can't, you know, you can't be cool with him because he did her dirty. Whoa. Well, nobody in that house with them. Don't nobody know what the hell went on truthfully and honestly with them. Yeah, she might have told you in the CD. Yeah, she might have said this. Anybody asked him nothing. Why? Because you don't want to hear his side. You just want to hear her side. And I'm okay with that. That's fine. But at the end of the day, I know the kind of person that Renee was. Renee was the kind of person where when he would see fans outside, he would make her go outside and greet them and talk to us and have these these different behind the scenes parties and backstage parties or gatherings and meetups. And I mean, all kinds of stuff. Like he really took the whole fandom thing with her to another level. Like he made her kind of come out of her shell. It's what I will always have love and respect for him for because like he pushed her to these levels where she needed to be. It's like, okay, Janice, this is something different. Well, I don't want to honestly something different. Like he he knew what to pull out of her or what to ask us. What do you want to see Janet do now? Or what do you want to do that? Or he would come in the chat room with us during the Miss Janet days. And he would come in the chat room. He would ask us questions. Or just say, you know, I just came to speak, say, how you doing? Hold on, Jan is right here. She coming too, da, da, da. But Renee did, he did a lot of stuff for the fans. Meet and greets, parties, behind the scenes footage, or like, um, he would tell us like, well, we're going to be over here shooting this video. We're going to be doing this. Y'all, we come to D.C. real quick for this. Da, da, da. We need a uh, number of fans for this video. Da, 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 da. Like, he just kept us in the loop 24-7. Um, but anyway, the story is I was sitting at home one day. And this is like a few, I think like a few, yeah, a few months after I had met her already. Mm-hmm. Me being me, I started putting two and two together. So I said, so in the control video, Janet said she found this really cute apartment in Westwood. I was like, hmm. Okay, so cut to today. Her and Renee are together. His last name is Elizondo. I bet. My little ass by ass. Did I not get on the phone? <laughs> This dude in the yellow pages calling the operator. <laughs> and I got on the phone. I called the information number for California. I'm looking for R. Elizondo Jr. She said, okay, do you have an address? I said, no, he lives in Westwood. She said, okay, hold on. Baby, that number went right through and he answered the phone. Bitch, I blacked out. No! <laughs> yes, it did. Yes, it did. Yes, it did. That is literally the best thing I've heard in forever. And then my sister said, she was like, like she was going off because she could not she could not just believe that I had did that. Matter of fact, no, no, by this time when I did that, I was in the seventh grade. I was in the seventh grade in middle school. Um, when I had did that. And it just I don't know. I was it just clicked. That is hilarious, dude. You watched a music video from nineteen eighty seven and decided you would play blues clues. <laughs> and it worked. It honestly worked. And see, I knew I knew that even though she lived in Malibu, Malibu at that time, she wasn't using, it, it wouldn't have been under, her name would have been under his name because her name would have been too obvious. So I said, no, it would be under his name. I remember the operator saying verbatim, is he, what's the last name? And so I spoke the last name. I said, she said, well, I have quite a few. I said, he's a junior. She said, and you said, Westwood? I said, yes, ma'am. She said, hold on. And she connected that jogger right through when he answered the phone. Baby, like, baby, what did you, say, what did you say to him? We talked for like a good 30 minutes. I swear to you, 30 minutes. And he just kept laughing. He was like, you know what? I think I know who you are. And I said, <laughs> I think you do too. And we just kept laughing. And we talked. And I was telling him what I thought, what I was feeling. Because I said, I know as soon as I hang his phone up, he's going to change his damn number. <laughs> right. I got to get it all in. <laughs> got it all out. And I said, okay, thank you. He was like, no. Thank you. I was like, yeah, okay, um, have a good one, be blessed. Tell her I love her. And then I was like, yeah, on the phone up. And then I passed out again. I said, <laughs> You hit the floor a lot in your younger years. Do you have a medic alert bracelet? I am concerned. 
I admit I'm one of those people who give them a hard time. And you're right. I don't know what happened, but I felt like Janet was in pain. So I was like, I'm team Janet no matter what. Right. You're always team Janet. I, I really, really hate it when they got divorced and went separate ways and how people was like they were dragging him. Like I said, I think because I was on the other side of the fence, a lot of the time saying different stuff and him just talking to us in general. So it was like I, I have a little more leaning towards him and for him and stuff like that. So, And you know him as not just a persona and not just kind of a tagger on because I think kind of after they broke up, it was kind of painted that he was just kind of a hanger on and he hadn't really contributed anything. We don't know what happened. We were not there. And I don't have any kind of perspective like mm-hmm. you have into his personality. But I do think that when they were in love, they were really in love. That was something was special amazing. there. And I think they brought out the it's best in each other. Right. I think she did right. Some of her most amazing work when they were together. And Cam and I talk about it all Mm -hmm. the time, how the videos he directed were so intimate and so special and only he could get it. Like you could look at a video and go, Renee did this. Only he could, only he could get that from her, I think. And that's the kind of stuff I was talking about. Like that's the, like he, like he just, he took, like even for the, um, the Go Deep video, Renee did that classic whole. He did that casting call. That was not her. I'm like, you check it out of here. I'm like, y'all, you all have no idea what this man has done. But yeah, it's just they would and they would just blow off off of each other or from each other. And they would vibe and like you can feel the love. And I'm like, oh girl, let me give me one of them. What do you find him there? Huh. I guess I need to rethink Renee a little bit. I've been a little too hard on them boy. <laughs> just broke my girl heart. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> Now, sometimes you go back and forth with Gil on Twitter. How did that start? Are y'all like frenemies or are y'all just, you know, two friends just having fun and just, you know, busting each other chops? That's what it is. Um, how did, I forgot how me and Gil connected. I, I want to say it was slightly, I, no, no, it was doing the All For You tour. I don't know. It was like, it was like an instant, like, okay, I guess he kind of figured like, oh, he all right, he, he cool. Because he, I'm one of those ones, like, it was like, who are you? And what is your name? Where you come from? How long you been here? So you do, right? Yeah. Oh, he one of them. Yeah, I'll play. Oh, <laughs> so like stuff like that. But no, we don't, we like bang to go back and forth, but he knows that I'll keep it real with him. And like, you know, he'll ask me questions or he'll, he'll inbox me like, Stop, what you think about this? And what do you think about this? And if somebody say this and like, he knows I'll say it because I have been around her for so long and for so much and I'm not going to sugarcoat it. If you ask me, I'm going to tell you. Um, if I don't like it, I'm going to tell you. If I love it, I'm going to tell you. So he kind of, I think that's where our relationship, where our connection came from. What he won't say, I will. What he can't say, I will. <laughs> so what is something you can recall that like you had, you chimed in on? Like it was rubbing you the wrong way or you, you just you wanted to see some action taken in a different direction? Besides the unbreakable tour with them ugly ass MC Hammer pants she had, and I can stir in them damn pants. But anyway, did you did you write a letter about the harem pants? What happened? Ooh, I can't stand them damn pants. It was it was more so of I want to say like video or singles or like the the set list. It's like okay, enough of this already. We ain't here no more. Move on next. <laughs> it was like no, but she liked this and she no, she don't. She's going off of what you tell her or what you. We want to hear. We were, we were in tiny chat one night for like from like I think nine p.m. to like seven a.m. the next morning, and he wanted feedback from the fans or whatever to know getting ready to go into the Unbreakable tour, and he wanted to put the set list together, and we were giving him ideas like do B side songs. We tired of him saying, and me frankly personally, I was tired of the whimsical part of the show. I was tired of that. I'm over it. You said the whimsical part. Which part was that? The, with, with the clowns and the costumes and the boingy boy. Oh, yeah. That was a long time ago. I forgot about that. Yeah. Right. And that was a part of the show. I would go refill my wine glass because I was over it. They'll come in and ask us for like songs and just be like, okay, we'll do B-sides. Do songs like she rarely does. Do we, we tired of hearing the same old stuff. Remix that shit. Like do something with it. But we can't keep changing the name of the show, giving us the same set list. And I told him, I said, after a while, you're going to look up and me, you're going to have an issue because you're going to fuck up her brand. And I'm not here for that. Then I'm going to have to go around you to get to her. And I know how to do that. So he was like, okay, I get it. I understand. So then that's where the Unbreakable stuff came from. Right. Okay. So so you're really the Janet Whisperer. I see. I see. So if we got concerns, we need to share with you so you can share with those who 
who who can make things happen. I see. I see how this is working. So we did invite you here to talk about a song. So we're going to shift over and talk about I Get Lonely. Or as I like to say, I get so lonely. Right. You know, (laughs) you add a word to every title. (laughs) Hey, make it flow better. (laughs) So I Get Lonely was released in February 26, 1998. And this was when she was still on Virgin Records. It was the third single from The Velvet Rope, uh, written by Janet, Jimmy, Terry. Renee actually gets a credit on this one as well. And I love this song. Like, this is one of my top favorite, I will never be tired of. This would be my thousand play song. And and apparently she liked it too, because it was sampled on (laughs) Unbreakable. (laughs) No, I love that she did that. Oh, I love that she did that. Look, baby, when you can pay homage to your damn self, right? a little piece of interesting facts from that video, not only do we know that you, we all know how Janet is with the hair and what she did for Black women as far as putting hair on the map, but a lot of people don't know, I'm, I'm not going to say the name of the company because I don't want to get in trouble, there is a part, well, there's a little thingy that happened with Janet, Fran, and Janet Z. That color in her hair is called Scarlet Heat. They made that color from two other colors. They called it Scarlet Heat. Black women were so busy trying to find that color, they was tanning the beauty supply stores down trying to find that damn color. And and I remember hearing, ah, oh, we want the same color Janet Jackson got in her head. Yeah, that's the color we want. And they was like, well, we don't, we don't know what color that is. Well, it ain't this red. Is it this red? No, I ain't that one. Well, it was made, they made that color from two other colors. And another um, a company, a high-end company that's popular with Black women as far as hair care products go, approached her for a deal. They wanted to know if they could, what's it called, trademark and patent it, the, the name, the hair color, and she'll get all the situation. <laughs> well, they couldn't come to a financial agreement. So Ms. Jackson was like, eh, no. Because, in other words, you're trying to capitalize off me, but pay me pennies. Because we all know what that hair color is going to do. That would have been flying off the shelf. Exactly. And as far as, you know, the black community, we spend money on hair care products. It is what it is. Yes, we do. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And if, if you look at the video, the, it has, in certain parts of it, it has like a tint to it. When I tell you, Janet Z rocked the house with that heifer's head, baby, she rocked the house. She's still my fave. You know, no shade to anybody else, but I feel like she did some things that have not been replicated or improved upon yet. And you can't. You you can't. Not with them hands. You no. I've always liked the song. The video made me love the song. The video changed my life. I love this song. So I love this song. I can remember buying this CD. So this is let me let me paint the picture for you. So this isn't like, you know, it is now where you get your downloads at twelve midnight and somebody sends you an email link. No. I know, right? I was in college. So, and I remember when it was went on sale, like, I think I had just graduated high school. So I was like, first on my own, I remember it went on sale and there's only one place you could really buy R&B albums <laughs> where I went to school. Mm-hmm. And so I had to like get up and walk at midnight to this album store. And I thought it was going to be like packed out. And I was like, okay, well, guess I'm learning that I'm the only fan here. It was like seven of us. <laughs> Got my velvet rope, <laughs> trekked myself back home and put it on. And I went through the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And I like to listen to, especially a Janet album, you kind of need to listen to it together. Like, no shuffle. Don't put no shuffle on your CD player. Like, you just need to listen to it beginning to end. And I remember listening to it. And usually I do not repeat a song. Like, when I'm trying to hear the album for the first time, I'm just listening straight through. And I couldn't go forward. Like, when I got to I Get Lonely, I had to listen again. And again, and again, and again, and like I couldn't go forward. And I just remember thinking, like it was like, like it was like forty Janets was singing, <laughs> about forty five Janets were singing in my ear, and I just couldn't go on. And I just remember thinking to myself, like somebody's got to hear this, but nobody cares but me. <laughs> like <laughs> it's like two a.m. and I'm like getting ready to go down the hall in the dorm, like somebody gonna wake up. Here it is. But yeah, that was my experience. I was just like, this may be the best song I've ever heard in my life. That whole Velvet era, that was a force to be reckoned with from beginning to end. Like, we literally sat there with her 
and watched her go through the motions from beginning to end. And then we go through the motions with her ass from beginning. But the video, and then I think my favorite part of the video is when she's walking down the hallway and then she's singing the um the ad libs at the end that I don't want I don't want no one else but you and she's doing the hand dance and then she walking oh that shit drives me crazy it drives me crazy and I feel the same way to me it's just the the first couple of bars it's just hearing that bass and that PM it's like to me it's one of the rare songs that I listen to when I hear that I automatically know okay can we get your vocals right <laughs> Cause you' about to murder this song, <laughs> and it around that time too. It kind of, you know, she didn't. I felt like she kind of pushed the button a little bit because to me, R and B was going through the whole Timberland and Missy kind of effect. But to me, it still stands the time around that era. So I felt like Jen was like, "Oh, y'all not finna take R and B to another level and leave me here." You hit on a good point because to me, this was her most purely R&B song, definitely on the Velvet Rope, but it was her most purely R&B song, you know, for quite some time. And people had for the longest, they would always push her in the pop category. Even her R&B leaning songs were kind of treated as pop. Uh, And this was like the first purely R&B. And you mentioned Timberland. I love this song. And, you know, this song has about 35,000 (laughs) <laughs> remixes. I think it has 10 official remixes, um, but like 35,000 other remixes. But one of the official remixes um, with your fave cam, uh, Black Street, actually, that beat, which is very similar to what was originally crafted, but a little different, was produced in tandem Teddy Riley and Timberland. And you can hear it. The remix is more of a, it's a, it's a party than the original. It's more of a, I mean, not only was it a single, but it's the chill, you in a moment, I'm feeling this. Or you might be in the court like, oh, God, I'm missing my shit. And then they have to show it off when she went Rosie O'Donnell, her and Jim, and say it live. That has to be one of the best. Oh, I look at it on YouTube all the time. Just because people, when they say, well, Jenny can't sing, I'm like, go on YouTube. I get so lonely, Rosie O'Donnell show, and watch her sing that song. And you can't tell me she didn't kill. She murdered that. <laughs> hey, baby, I passed out again. Yeah, she really did. She really did it on that song. And, you know, so when you think about this song, Kim, you asked an interesting question. So I, you know, when you hear the song, like when Janice talks about it, she says it's about a girl who loses a guy that she loves and she wants him back and nobody else will do. Yeah, but sometimes I play this song right after I've done the, you know what, and I'm like, it fits. And then sometimes when it is there, out two weeks later, I play it again and be like, you know. <laughs> that was it. It goes, what, I get lonely, and then what? what's after that? Oh, man, you know what's after that song? Rope Burn, and then Followed by Anything. All right, see? See? First you're lonely, then he done came back. Then y'all tiny shoving, tiny shoving, damn. <laughs> and now you willing to do anything. <laughs> exactly. And then, man, you pregnant. Who doing her ass, man? You pregnant. For me, it was the video. Just seeing her. And and, and like you said um, uh, previously, Renee, he captured the drill out of her in that video. The angles, the costuming, the hair, the everything. Even driving in the damn car to help her with sexy. She making me sick. Yeah. Now he didn't direct that video. Paul Hunter directed that video, but Renee was definitely yes. Renee was on set, and actually there is a behind the video of it. It came on like BBC or some channel, but you can see Renee is everywhere. And like one of the things he says during that behind the scenes things is he's like, I'm kind of the go between between Janet and the director. He's like, I stopped the director from taking shots that I know she's never going to let him use. Like, like we're not going to bother with that because that's never going to be a thing. <laughs> exactly. And you can tell he had his hand in that video. You can tell. You can. You can. Absolutely. And I do love the remix with Blackstreet um, as well. But we was laughing on Twitter. I think it was the, what's today? Friday? I think it was like Thursday, Wednesday or Thursday. Talking about her and who she has time for, or when she it comes to making uh, doing collaborations, yeah, yeah, her collaborations. I'm like, no, she make time for this. She want to make time for Shady Half. Like, yeah, she was touring when they did this remix. She talks about this song like kind of. I don't want to say she made it sound like Teddy Riley stalked her, but she did make it sound like Teddy Riley stalked her. <laughs> and 
you know, she was like, yeah, definitely she wanted to do something <laughs> with him. And so while she was on tour, they basically kind of coordinated this over the phone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She was like, he called me every single day with different ideas. Okay. <laughs> Hey. Right. Listen, Teddy was like, I'm about to get in here now. And then they get the other phone <laughs> together with a girlfriend, boyfriend. I've only heard this song once. <laughs> yeah, we don't talk about that. We pretend that's not a thing. You know There's <laughs> so many people that do not like that song or the video. I'm just like, the video was terrible. You can tell it wasn't hers. It was like extremely low budget. No, like, yeah, because was- the only thing I can remember about that video is wasn't there some kind of pinball machine kind of gimmick yeah. going on? And I was like, the whole thing was comp- uh, green screen graphics and everything else. of yeah. this? Like these are, first of all, these are extra grown people singing girlfriend, boyfriend. And now they're in this right. like arcade situation. What is happening? Um, yeah, so I was like, nice try, guys. You You did what you could. And plus, that wasn't even the original Blackstreet people anyway. I was like, how many people have left this group, Teddy? Girl, you know, Blackstreet was basically the temptations of the 90s and 2000s. Like, that was a revolving door. (laughs) Yes. I might have been in Blackstreet. I just forgot. Yes. But you know what? When we talk about this video, so we know Paul Hunter directed it, but we cannot overlook the amazing artistry of Tina Landon on display in this video. Listen, it's funny because Tina was like the only only other person who I would geek out about. Tina didn't really recognize or realize the power that she had and her gift. I'll say the best way to describe Tina is Tina has that ear. And if you ever grew up in a black church and know anything about that, the liturgical dancers, they danced to the words of the song. That's what she did. She brought the movements to life via the words. You are absolutely right. I had never thought about it like that, but you're absolutely right. Because one of the things I loved about Tina, and it's if you really pay attention to like how things are made. So one of my random side hobbies is filmmaking. One of the things I love about Tina is she had to have the eye of a director to create those dances not only like you mentioned with her dancing to the words and I appreciated that because she didn't feel compelled to like that was right at the start of everybody dancing on every single beat and (laughs) she didn't do that and you know she interpreted the song and her movements kind of like interpreted the songs but she also just the way like even when you think about you want this and when you think about this video like the the filming of this one was pretty simple but the camera angles were always changing not just like side to side but up and down and diagonal and like her movements had to be choreographed to work with that and she like so it was always like a in addition to like the dancing and the fluidity and all of that there was also always a super technical aspect of her staging of her blocking that like you cannot go underappreciated. Like, and and it, it made me, like, for a long time, I used to think, is this half a director in these videos? Like, how the hell does she know? Right. How did you translate that? <laughs> she nails it every single, it makes it seem like the directors and Janet and the stage builders, the crew, they build this stuff around her choreography. Mm-hmm. And her, her stuff with Janet is always so imitated. It inspires so many other artists today. Right. We're talking about the video that came out, what, like 97, 98? And you still see people attempting to, like, recreate this. Even if it's not the exact choreography, they try to recreate the essence of it. Oh, honey, Keisha Cole blocked me on Twitter. Because I let her ass have it. I let her have it. Her video, her latest video, she pretty much did the I Get Lonely video. Wait a minute, time out. She's still putting out videos? (laughs) I didn't know. You heard her. She blocked me. But anyway, um... (laughs) She, uh, the video came on, I, I, don't, I don't know the name of the song, but whichever one is Keisha Cole, one of her latest videos. And she got on a hat, a jacket, a bra. <laughs> they ain't like this little jazz club, you know what And I mean, it's, I'm like, okay, wait a minute, hold on. So as soon as I seen it, I jumped on Twitter. But I was like, okay, now you just said a few years ago. Hey, somebody asked you, what did you think of Janet Jackson? Oh, I don't listen to Janet Jackson. Right, she pretended she didn't know who she was. <laughs> You damn sure watcher. Because since that video, oh baby, you was riding coach. I gotta look this video up. Me too. I'm secretly a Keisha Cole fan, but I really haven't been one probably probably in the 2010s. <laughs> I probably haven't really been a fan. <laughs> um 
but I really liked her. And I do want to recognize the fact that she did later go on to say that, you know, when she was shading Janet, she was like, you know, I was young in the industry. I was insecure. Can y'all let it go? I... <laughs> I gotta look that up but you know another great performance you know another interesting performance was uh Kelly Rowland when she did motivation which was clearly yes. inspired um by I get lonely oh it was. yes yes and honestly I think that was I'm gonna say I don't know that I've ever seen a better Kelly Rowland performance yeah yeah, I agree. I agree. Funny enough, I just watched that again two weeks ago. Did you? Funny enough. Yeah. yeah. And you know, in that video too, Janet had a couple things. So the rumor is it took like three days to shoot and they said over 500 people were involved. Now what they were doing and where they were, I do not know. Um, but apparently this was like a super, super involved and intense and labor intensive production. Um, but it could have something to do with all the weather. Because I feel like there was a lot of weather in this video that was not necessary. Like there's rain, you know, when she's wearing that kind of Medusa dress and lean up against the window and there's rain on the window. Then it was snow. They had snow. Um, then we know the wind. Said Now, Paul Hunter said it was supposed to be like they created it to look like a Japanese air. But he was like travel and get away and all that stuff. And I was like, you know what? You're the director. So if that's what your vision was, then fine. But this video did have all our faves too. Had Kevin O'Quan doing the makeup. Oh, I miss him so much. Yeah. Oh, oh he was so good. Um, Danny Flynn did the wardrobe. An interesting fact about that dress, the one, I call it the Medusa dress. I don't know what it was, but the one that it looked like, it looked like it had snakes on there. It was so tight. She could not walk. They had to literally either dress her in place or, or move her to where she needed to be. That thing was painted on. I said, child, if you burp, you're going to pass out. And she was weighing the hell out of it too. Everybody who did something in that video was perfection. I mean, hair perfection, makeup perfection, wardrobe perfection, choreography perfection. Like, that was an all-star team. But that video right there takes the cake for a lot of people. And then when that she popped that shirt off with that little pearl of bra in there, Janet had them in the days, honey. <laughs> and it, it just, it's like, oh, here they come, here they come, here they come. Doing. <laughs> We got to talk about that because when you think about her live performances, you know, it's like we saw the video, you knew it was happening. But every time she performs that song live, like the anticipation and then when it happens, you're like, wow, it's like just as exciting every time. <laughs> like, <laughs> how is this so much fun every time? Every time. And she had some great performances of that. So, like, you know, there's the one, um, was it the Soul Train Awards cam? Oh my gosh, that one was amazing. And I and this song really did well too. Um, this actually set another record for Janet. Um, Billboard Hot 100. It actually became her 18th consecutive top 10 hit. Um, and I I think she actually still holds that record, um, if I'm not mistaken. I don't know that anyone has had 18 in a row, although Cardi B might be on her way. But this I always say, like, it's different and not to take away from Cardi, but it's different. Like when people actually have to like go to the store and get your stuff or or call the DJ and ask them to play it. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. So it's a little different. But this actually caused her to surpass um, the people on the list ahead of her were Elvis Presley and the Beatles. And she passed both of them. So this was a pretty landmark record for her. She won a Billboard Award for Top R&B Airplay Single. She won a BMI Pop Award for Most Played Song. She was nominated for a Grammy for Best R&B Vocal Performance, but she did not win. And I can't remember who won that year. Um, but she, Lady of Soul Award, she racked up Best R&B Single, Best Music Video. And then the VH1 Award, she won the Sexiest Music Video of the Year. She's amazing, man. This is why we stand. Like, people... I always tell people like the difference between Janet and everybody else. And I am not a person who believes that there can only be one. So every time there's conversation of like, who's the top R&B diva or who's top pop girl or this, I'm like, all of that's nonsense because we only make women fight for spots. Like we will take a hundred blue face rappers rapping the same song and no one will ever complain. But if two women make a song slightly similar, right, we pit them against each other. And so I'm not that person, but what I will say is what makes Janet stand out and what has made her stand out since the beginning. She is such a perfectionist. When she performs anything, it looks easy, 
but you know it's hard. And a lot of people we watch now, like, they look like they're struggling. Like, they look like they're trying. I don't want to say struggling, but they look like they're really trying because they are really trying. But Janet has worked so hard that she got past the really trying phase. And it's just second nature. I remember someone just a couple of years ago, I mean, about two years ago, I think it was, at the during the UCAP show, she was over in London. And she was singing. She just came out performing Pleasure Principle. And she was talking to the mic guy. And she's singing while giving him, telling him, up, down, down again, pause, right there, boom. And then she kept going. And I'm like, this man ain't missed a piece. Hey, we're going to wrap this up. This has been such a pleasure. <laughs> I must say, I've never laughed this much. I've been so emotionally involved in your stories. I feel like I lived them with you. <laughs> yes. Well, you got to come back and hang out with us sometime. I will. You know, I call myself a fan, but I need to step my game up. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that really is it for us for now. If you need more Janet Jackson, which we know you need more Janet Jackson, you can subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts. And also, if you are already a subscriber of this podcast, please leave us a comment wherever you are listening. Your comments and likes help other people find us, especially on iTunes. Yes, please leave us a comment on iTunes if you can, even if you listen elsewhere. And tell a friend to follow us on social media at JJ Today Pod. We would love to hear from other fans. Our intro and outro music is provided by Good For You by THBD. It's licensed under the Creative Commons Attribution 3.0 license.